All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. All right, all right. We are so happy that you've chosen to join us for our service today. And today what we're doing is we're actually beginning a new series, which is going to be entitled Free My Soul. We all know that as we come to the living God, there's baggage that we have all carried with us throughout our experiences, from our experiences throughout our lifetime. And there are things that even though we are turned to God and we're looking to know him more and love him and honor him, there are things in our hearts that we need help with to walk in the complete freedom and the life of God that Jesus Christ provided for us. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about the different places in our soul that we need God to touch us and God to move on behalf of not only his word, but his Holy Spirit in our lives to free us and to enable us to run with him in the purposes that he has for us. And so today we're going to start this series, Free My Soul, with talking about this issue. God, we ask you to free our soul from judgments. We ask you to free our soul from unhealthy judgments. Because we know that really at the end of the day, it, judgments are not pleasant when we receive them, but we also are quick to give the very same judgments that we don't want to receive from others. So today we're going to focus on this statement that we will be freed in our souls from the bondage of judgment when we look to Jesus, the only truly righteous judge. We're going to break the message down into three parts to talk about this. We're going to talk first about why having a judgmental heart is in fact unhealthy. It may be the norm in society, but it's actually an unhealthy norm that many of us have fallen into. Secondly, we're going to talk about how to make right judgments by the leading of Christ. That obviously we can't go in the world or interact with the world without making a judgment or having a uh, proposition of judgments between what's right and wrong in the world. But we, how, do we, how is it that we key in on making right judgments? And then finally, number three, we're going to talk about looking to Jesus Christ, the perfect judge, to be our standard and also our guide as we interact freed in our souls from unhealthy judgments in our lives. So before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you that Jesus Christ came to give us life and life to the full. And God, we're asking you that today, as we look into your word, that you would help us to be freed in our souls from the judgments that bind us, that we might look like you and interact like you in the freedom of your word and Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's start by talking about why having a judgmental heart is in fact unhealthy. And we're going to start with understanding that having a critical judgmental heart having a critical judgmental heart towards others and the scenarios and situations continually around you is in fact bondage to our souls. Now we're saying, God, free my soul because if I have a critical and a judgmental heart, a judgmental lens by which I relate with everyone in the world around me and I'm always picking people apart, piecemealing their actions, piecemealing their, uh, uh, their motivations, 
always critical of the things that they say and do. It's not so much that I'm actually doing anything to harm others, though my relationships might, with them might be bad, but it's actually bondage in my own soul that I'm living under, whether I realize it or not. We need to think about it. Why is it, in fact, unhealthy for us to have a judgmental and a critical attitude or disposition to the people and the world around us? Well, I thought of several things as we are getting started today, and I thought about it in context, unfortunately, of times that I've had a judgmental disposition towards others around me in my life. And what I found were several things, starting with this, number one, that why judge, having a judgmental heart was unhealthy for my soul, and I know what it is for yours too, is that usually when I'm having a judgmental attitude or heart towards other people, I'm usually bitter and or angry in my own soul when I'm judgmental towards them. I may be critical towards other people, but really the bitterness is in my own heart. I'm the one who suffers the bitterness, and I'm the one who suffers the perpetual state of anger. Secondly, it's unhealthy because when I'm living in a judgmental attitude towards others, I'm unable to enjoy the beauties of life and the relationships that I've been given by God himself because I'm always pointing out what is wrong rather than what's right in the situations around me. Have you ever been there before? Always finding the glass half empty rather than finding it half full. That's the bondage of having a judgmental heart. Number three, it's, when it's unhealthy because when I'm quick to point out the errors of others, this is what Jesus spoke about. I don't have the wherewithal to realize my own shortcomings and faults uh, about which I need to go to Jesus and uh, ask for his help. If I'm always quick to point the finger at others, I forget that there are several others pointing right back at me. Number four, when I'm judgmental, the truth of the matter is, is that I'm not happy until others are actually proven wrong. So literally the basis of my own happiness is based on when I can catch somebody in the error of their ways and finally they're proven to be wrong and I'm proven to be right. Can anyone admit that they've fallen into that trapping before? And then number five, what, if I'm living with a judgmental heart, the truth of the matter is I can miss the grace of God for my own life because I'm so merciless towards others who have failed not God's standards, but my own. Not God's standards, but my own. And as a result, I end up treating myself and being treated with the same lack of mercy that I withhold from others. And this is why the Apostle James in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 8, said this, that if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. 
So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Why? Because in God, mercy triumphs over judgment. And that's the good news in God. That God says, I'm trying to call you by my grace. I'm trying to call you into my mercy and to reconcile relationship with myself through my son, Jesus Christ, and also with others. But you've got to be freed of that judgmental heart and that judgmental attitude to be able to walk in that freedom. And that's the good news that God wants it for us. But the question is, if God wants us to live in that freedom, but we've got to be able to distinguish between right and wrong in the world and still live healthy, dynamic lives with, in relationship with God and with other people while making right judgments, how do we, in fact, make those right judgments and come out of that place of an unhealthy disposition of always being in an unhealthy manner judgmental towards others. Well, the truth of the matter is is that Jesus does not tell us not to, um, Jesus does not tell us to simply throw out judgments, but teaches us how to make right judgments. Jesus doesn't tell us to throw out all judgments, but he instead teaches us how to make right judgments in the world. And this in fact leads to the us being able to obey the law of liberty to which James referred. Now, when Jesus was ministering during his earthly ministry, he actually had a moment where the people were trying to provoke him. And they were saying, Jesus, if you want to be a public figure, go and show yourself to the world. Obviously, you've come as the rabbi, the great rabbi, the one to teach the world the way it should go. So go to this um, this uh, festival, show yourself to the world, make your pronouncements and proclaim who you are. But Jesus said, listen, for you, any time is right. But for me, my time, when you're trying to push me into things, has not yet come. The world can't hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 7. So Jesus was, in fact, himself making judgments on the sin in the world, saying that the immorality, the murders, the theft, the adulteries, the drunkenness, all of these things that he was pointing out as evil, he's saying, I didn't make you to live in these manners. I didn't make you to do these things. They're killing you. I want you to turn from them. And the world hates me, Jesus said, because I testify that what it does is evil. And in the same way, he was saying to his disciples, he's like, eventually the same will be true of you. But I don't want you to make unrighteous judgments towards the world where you're condemning them because I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world through myself. And in John 7, 24, he says, don't judge by mere appearances, but judge with right judgment. Don't judge by mere appearances and so end up in the bondage in your soul that we were talking about, but judge with right judgments. Well, what did Jesus mean by that? Well, part of being a disciple, Jesus would eventually teach us, is learning, um, not, not only being a disciple, but learning to make disciples is growing in the ability to gracefully, like Jesus, gracefully judge and to distinguish between good and evil in the world. 
The only way, though, to tell the true difference between good and evil is to align yourself not just with the whims or the tides of our present culture or the world, but to align yourself with the only one that is altogether good, who is God himself. And your identity as a Christian is to be literally a part of a royal priesthood. That God, a lot of times whenever we think about God and somebody who's following God wholeheartedly, we might think of men of the cloth. People who were priests or set apart and devoted their whole lives to holy living, right? But in God, God makes very clear what he thinks of anyone who calls on his name. And anyone who belongs to Jesus and is called on his name is not only called a saint in the scripture, but not only, uh, not only are they called a saint, but he says that their identity is that they are now in Christ part of a royal priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, his son. And so part of the primary role of the believer is to be able to distinguish between the holy and the common, the unclean and the clean in the world, that we actually might live lives that are pleasing to God. So what that means is that there is, in God's economy, in the world that he created, there are things that God created and said, these things are good and right, do them. And there are things that are called sin that he says are wrong, stay away from them. And just as God distinguishes between the two, to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, we have to be able to make right judgments to do the same. And then as we are disciple makers, teach others to do the same as well. Distinguishing between the holy, what's set apart to God, and the common, just the way everybody else does things. The clean and the unclean that we might actually offer to God that which is pleasing to him. Now, God foreshadowed this by speaking of the priest through the prophet Ezekiel in the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament. When Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 44, he had Ezekiel prophesy this, they shall teach my people, meaning those who are to be called priests. And remember, every believer now is called to be a part of God's royal priesthood. He said, they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the common and show them how to distinguish between the unclean and the clean. <clears throat> In a dispute, they shall act as judges and they shall judge it according to my judgments, meaning that they were to act as representatives or mouthpieces for God. They shall keep my laws and my statutes in all my appointed feasts and they shall keep my Sabbaths, meaning the time of gathering and worshiping the Lord, holy, set apart and holy, that we don't throw off the gathering of the brethren or the gathering of believers to honor and worship the Lord together. But we make it a priority. Why? To in every single one of our weeks, press that reset button to say, God, you are first and the priority in my life. And as I set you as the first and most important priority in my life, then everything that comes out of this first day of the week is going to come with that in mind. But whenever we're making these judgments as priests, there are basically ultimately two different categories of judgment. 
that God says he wants us to walk in to make right judgments. First, in our relationship to the world that does not know God, who's living in sin. And then secondly, amongst ourselves as Christians, as we exhort one another to live lives that are pleasing to God. In the first category, judgments regarding the sin in the world, God says he will judge sin and those who persist in it. That's just a reality that one day every man, woman, and child will have to give an account for their lives to God and answer to God, did you live in rebellion to him and then therefore rejected his son and therefore have to receive the consequences of your own actions and your own sins that you committed against him? Or did you repent of your sin, put your faith in Jesus' sinless life, his death on the cross in substitute for you, his death and his resurrection from the dead? Did you put your faith in him, turning from your sin so that God might wash you clean and make you a new creation? If you have not done that, today is your day to do so. But in your, once you do that, in relationship to the rest of the world that hasn't, you've got to know that God will judge those who persist in that sin. And we are to be ambassadors of reconciliation between mankind and God with the gospel of Christ. Meaning we're to be proclaimers of the good news that people can be reconciled to God through Jesus, his son. That's how we're to judge the world around us, not to condemn the world, but to make it a constant appeal to them. Be reconciled to God, just as you and I have been reconciled to God through the cross of Christ. But then secondly, there are judgments within the church. And what are we to do with our relationships within the church? We are to encourage one another to grow in the image of God as we provoke one another toward love and good deeds toward love and good deeds. So we're to be a holy provocation towards one another saying, hey, listen, we can love more in this way. You know, that was a bit selfish. Why don't we consider how we can be more selfless in this way or more generous in this way? How can we be more humble and servant-hearted in this way to not only reflect Christ, but make him known to the world? But let me tell you that within the church, this is where it gets tricky. This is where it gets tricky, especially when we're living in the world and trying to navigate the different social issues and the civil issues that we see in the world around us. Things like, uh, you know, people are continually talking in the news about people who are going to get vaccinated and those who are not going to get vaccinated. People's opinions about whether we should wear masks or not wear masks. You see, those are the tricky issues that people have to navigate and learn how to love one another and not be bound in judgment towards one another, even as they navigate such disputable things. And this is where it gets tricky because many times as believers, we mistake our preferences for what is actually the standard of good. We're not speaking necessarily on behalf of God, but we're speaking according to our convictions and equating those with what God himself would say or do. But there is a difference between the commands of God and your personal convictions. There's a difference between the commands of God and my personal convictions convictions. And the only way that we're going to be able to walk in the love of Christ is to be able to distinguish between those two things. 
are the things that I'm standing on and the things that I'm most passionate about and talking about on a daily basis? Are those the things that ultimately Christ is most concerned about? Or are they things that only concern me right now? And I'm not saying these things aren't important issues. But what I am saying is when we begin to exalt things amongst ourselves in judgment more than God himself does, then we run into error. We see this very clearly when in Romans chapter 14 and 15, Paul is addressing the nascent church and he's telling them how to relate with one another in love when you have different convictions. And I'm asking you to go back and read Romans 14 and 15. We don't have time to go through all of it today, but basically the issue in this particular, ch these two chapters were what people felt comfortable eating versus what they didn't feel comfortable eating. There was a whole history of religious ceremony and what the Jews of the time would allow themselves to treat as unclean and that which they would treat as clean in their dietary restrictions. And whenever the believers were coming together, there were some who had a faith that allowed them to eat everything because it was all given by God. And there were others who said, you know what, I can only eat vegetables and that's what's holy to the Lord. And at the end of the day, they were having beef with one another because they said, we have different convictions about this and I'm right and you're wrong. And I can't relate with you because you're eating unclean things while I'm eating pure things. And the church, the nascent church, had to learn how to relate with one another in the midst of their judgments towards one another and disagreements. And here's the thing about it. What God's answer was is for the church to learn that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what Romans 14 and 15 is talking about. But ultimately, Paul's appeal was, listen, you've got to learn how to consider Christ's interest and others' interests above your own. That's actually you fulfilling the gospel. When you put Christ's interests and other interests above your own and learn to relate in such a manner that judgments don't mark your relationships, but instead, especially in disputable matters, you see, there are certain things that are orthodox. There are certain things that God's made very clear, like do not commit adultery. That's in the Ten Commandments. Do not murder. Do not steal. All of those things are very clearly given by God. Then those things are to be obeyed without question. When I get a paycheck, the first thing I do is tithe my 10%. Why? Because God said to clearly do it in his word. I don't have to question it every time I get paid. But whenever there are disputable matters, like what am I going to eat for breakfast? <laughs> that is a matter of conviction and conscience, though I'm to treat my body like the temple of the Holy Spirit and do what's healthy, regardless of my preferences, you see, and those are the disputable matters that are secondary to that which God has made clear. And this is what Paul says. Let's just read a little bit of it. He says, as for the one who is weak in faith, Romans 14, starting in verse 1, he says, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. 
Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord, while the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and give thanks, gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and of the living. So why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but no longer, I'm sorry, <clears throat> I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. You see, that's the standard of God. He said, stop passing judgments on one another. All of you are going to have different convictions on disputable matters. Stop despising one another and instead do what leads to mutual edification and building up of one another. Put the disputable matters aside so that you can come together and obey what God actually said to do. To come together, worship him together. Give honor and glory to him and be of one mind and one heart fighting as one person for the faith of the gospel. That's what God said to do by considering in love others as better than ourselves. If you continue to read this scripture here, this is what he talks about. And we all want to see ourselves, if we look at that scripture, as the ones who are the strong in faith, right? Wouldn't you admit that? Everyone's always thinking about someone else as the one who's weak in faith. 
Well, so be it. Even if we are the strong people, what is our objective and what does God require of us if we are those with the strong faith? It is to do what leads to the mutual edification of others and not just ourselves. Meaning that we're not to talk about our rights, but the goals and the objectives of Christ. And that is where we submit our will to his will. That's where we submit our rights to his rights that he might use us to fulfill his purposes. And if anything is preventing you from doing that, it needs to be subject to Christ that you might actually fulfill his will. We all as human beings believe that our own points of view are correct. However, God's objective is uh, is clear that no matter how right you believe you are or how you see yourself, Placing others' interests above your own for the sake of Christ is our standard of interaction with others in the world around us, starting in his church. And our highest aims must be Christ's goals, that which will both exalt and advance his eternal kingdom. And my job is to get out rid of every obstacle that would come in between God being able to use my life to advance his kingdom, his gospel, and his purposes. Because everything else in this world is temporary and has a shelf life to it. The problem is, is that our character is cementing depending on where and on what, where we stand on, on what, and what we choose to exalt. We are in error when we allow ourselves to disobey the clear written commands of God to uphold our own convictions. So the question is, how do I know when I'm missing the mark in my judgments? How do I know when I'm a bit off and missing the mark in my judgments? Well, number one, there's no reference to Jesus Christ, his character, his will, or his word in the, I guess, agendas that I'm advancing or the trains on which I find myself. Number two, I'm more concerned with my interest than I am with those, the interest of others, and especially of Jesus Christ himself. I'm in error when that happens. And then number three, I know I'm missing the mark when I'm nasty in my disposition towards others who disagree with me. We need to always remember that you can be perfectly right while working in the perfectly wrong spirit. So how do I make right judgments? Well, the answer is I need to prayerfully, prayerfully go to Christ and his word. And if I have a chapter in the Bible, meaning a chapter and a verse from the Bible for why I'm doing what I'm doing, then I know it is my great ambition to align myself with the perfect judge rather than the opinions and trappings of the world. And if that's my ambition, I can come and I can look to the perfect judge, Jesus, the only perfect judge, and align myself with him. Why? Because everyone else in the world is driven by their ulterior motives and their baggage. If we're honest with ourselves, we'll admit that. It is through Christ's life and example alone that we learn to make right judgments. But how do we even know that 
Christ can be trustworthy in his judgments. Well, the truth is, is we trust Jesus because his judgments were selfless and true. They always had those qualities about them, that they were selfless and they were true. And therefore we can trust him because he's not trying to get over on me or anybody else. He's trying to give us life rather than take it from us. And this is why an encounter with Jesus Christ at the cross is imperative for our relationship with God and having healthy dynamics in our relationship with our fellow human beings. It was only through the cross of Christ that sin was both perfectly addressed and provision was made for our complete escape from the judgments that we actually deserved. And it was only through the cross that both perfect judgment came against that sin and a perfect reconciliation was ultimately displayed by Jesus' resurrection from the dead. This is that unto which God now calls us into relationship with him and with others. And so what are we to do? If we want to be freed from the unhealthy bondage in our souls that comes from unrighteous judgments, how are we to live and what are we to do? Well, I'll end by telling you four things. Number one, we're to repent of the ways that I've made idols of issues above Christ Jesus and his word. Number two, I'm to repent of clinging to wisdom from the world devoid of the thoughts, character, and motives of Christ. That Christ's goals have to be my goals. And ultimately, I'm willing to adjust my life to align myself with him. Number three, I'm to intentionally think about the ways that I can be thankful for and commend others around me rather than simply the ways that I can tear them down. And then number four, I need to make Jesus and his kingdom my filter for all decision-making, how I'm using my time, my talent, my resources, my relationship with others, becoming all things to all people, as Paul the Apostle talked about in 1 Corinthians 9, so that by all possible means, we might be used by God to win as many as possible to the person and the cause of Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus alone is the salvation that you need, that I need, that the world needs. And we have got to be those who remove obstacles for people meeting Jesus and coming into that salvation. God's prepared the way for us by going, by sending his own son to go to the cross for us. And he calls us back to himself today in repentance, faith, and true humility to not only have the judgments against us satisfied because of what he did for us on the cross, but then to free our souls from improper judgments towards others that we might not be an obstacle to them, but instead be a vehicle by which they might meet the living God. And so as we end today, may we all come to the cross of Christ in great humility, saying, God, free my soul of the improper judgments that I have to the world around me. Help me to see as you see, to judge as you judge, but most importantly, to love as you love. And as we do that, coming to him at the cross, not only will we have the great ambition to live in that love, but we'll have the power to do it because we'll have experienced his love poured out for us today first. So as we end today, let's end with a word of prayer. 
And I want to first pray for my brothers and sisters who say, you know what? I need to be freed in my soul from the judgments that have held me bound. And I'm asking you, God, to give me a new heart and a new mind, a new perspective to the world around me that I might live in the love that you have towards them through your gospel. So, Father, I ask you to bless my brothers and sisters today, to free us all, God, from the unhealthy judgments, the critical nature that we have towards one another that keeps us trapped and bound in our souls. God, may love so fill our hearts that we're able to overlook a multitude of sins and that we're able to cover over all wrongs in the hope that the same grace that we've received from Jesus, we might give to other people. God, may you free us from judgments, help us to be humble, help us to be thankful, and help us to be loving, that we might be vessels of your grace in gospel, in Jesus' name, amen. And now for those of you who say, you know what, I, I, I realize today that I don't just need to stop judging other people, but I myself am under the judgment of God because of my own wrongdoing and sin. And I've never come into a reconciled relationship with Jesus. And I know that if I were to give an account for my life, I would deserve death and hell because of my wrongdoing against him. But I don't want it. And if today you say, I want to be reconciled with God, let's pray this prayer together that you might experience his peace. Almighty God, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner. And not only have I judged others, but I know I deserve your judgment because of my sin. But I don't want death and hell. And I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to live the perfect life that I should have lived. And on that cross, express grace towards me, dying the death that I should have died. But because he was completely innocent, three days later, you raised him from the dead so that I could have forgiveness of sins and new life in you. God, would you forgive me today of my sins? Free me from my judgments towards other, others and free me of the judgment that stands and rests upon me this day. Make me a new creation. I proclaim Jesus my Lord and I'm asking you to teach me how to love you and others from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the good news is, is if you've prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in God. We're going to continue to talk about these matters in our community groups this week. So if you've not yet found one, please do go to our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll be praying for you, so let us know how we can be standing with you. And also think about how you can share this link with others who also need to be spurred on by the grace of God towards them. Uh, do invite those same people with you to our service next week. And until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you soon.